0: Hey, this is Brent Ingersoll from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning in to our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. Well, hey, everybody. I want to welcome you to our online service today. Welcome to King's Church. And uh, so excited to be sharing with you today. I finally made it across the border from Nova Scotia to New Brunswick. And so I'm here and we're able to record. And so some of you might be asking, who is this guy? Um, my name is Pastor Seth. I am the, the lead pastor at King's Church Halifax, one of our campuses and one of the provinces that we're a part of. And, uh, and so it's just good to be with you. If you have a Bible, I'm going to get you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, we're going to get there in just a few minutes. Some of you are seeing this live, some of you might be seeing this after Sunday as it's aired. Um, And that's okay. It's summertime. We totally get that. And I know it's with good weather, especially here in the Maritimes, it's beach weather. Can I get an amen through the camera? Like everyone, it is beach weather. And I don't know about you, but in Nova Scotia, the beach calls every person to itself. And I'm not trying to pick a fight here, even sitting here in New Brunswick right now. But I've got to say... Nova Scotia has the best beaches in all of the Maritimes, right? And so, um, and so yeah, and I, we love going to the beach. Me and my family, we love going to the beach. I will tell you this, FYI, I hate swimming in the water. I do not like cold water. Some people like to go, some people like to surf. One of our staff members today said, hey, I'm going up to, to, to Halifax to do some surfing this weekend. All, all good for you, that's just not my thing. The thing I love to do, though, is treasure hunt. Anyone like to treasure hunt at the beach? I'm not talking about being that guy with like the metal detector. It's like beep, 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 beep. You know, you know that guy with the fanny pack, and every time he finds something, he shoves it in the fanny pack? That's not me. Not yet, at least. And by the way, I have no, no problems with fanny packs. Uh, started wearing one this summer when I was running and kind of enjoyed them. So uh, that's going to be me someday, but that's not me now. And, and m- most of you like to treasure hunt at the beach, too. I know a big thing in our world, in this part of the world, is sea glass. People just are obsessed with finding sea glass, am I right? Uh, you find those little pieces of glass that have been weathered by the water and the sand, and it just makes this kind of cool mosaic. People do artwork and all that sort of stuff. That's your thing. That's fantastic. That's great. One of the things I like to find is sand dollars. I just love finding sand dollars. And uh, what, I found, what I found at the beach, and those of us who are in Atlanta, Canada, when you look for treasure, it's there, but sometimes you've got to go digging for it. Sometimes it can be hard to find the treasure. I know when I go to the beach and look for sand dollars, sometimes you actually have to wait out in the water. And you have to look through the water and dig in the sand to kind of find the treasure that is underneath. You have to kind of look past the activity of the ocean and the current and the waves to actually get down into the treasure. And that's what I want to talk about, not just this week, but next week as well. I'm doing a little mini-series uh, in midsummer form here in 2020, and I'm calling this little series Treasures in the Wilderness. And sometimes... Like in our day, you have to look through the chaos to find the treasure. I think we all know and we can identify that 2020 has just been a wave after wave after wave. It has been crisis after crisis after crisis. It has been the wave of sickness has come upon us as a culture. The wave of injustice has come upon us in our culture. The wave of violence, we see it on our news everywhere. And as I talk to people, even if you take away the culture and you take away what's going on in the world, just people's personal lives this year, I don't know if you found that, have just been difficulty after difficulty after difficulty. I know for me, I've been walking with some of the people in Halifax this week as they've lost loved ones in other parts of the world. And just the grief of not being able to be there, it's just been a heavy season. And I don't want to minimize the season, but neither do I want to continue to beat a dead horse about what this is. I think for, I think we've done a great job at naming it. I've heard statements called like, like disruption, that this is a disruption in our history. I've heard drought. Someone mentioned that this was an ice age that we're going through. Wilderness is another thing I've heard too. We've named this season. I think we've done a really good job at that. But what I want to ask for us today, today and next week is this. What is the treasure in it? What is the good in this season? Where is the treasure in the wilderness? Because I want to encourage you, if you're a person of faith and you're tuning in, one of the things that we can be encouraged with is this, that God never wastes any season of our life. He does not waste any season. So what you're feeling right now as as disruption in your life, God's not wasting it. What you're feeling right now with discomfort, God is not wasting it. The uncertainty of the future, God is not wasting this moment. But the challenge is even though we know that God doesn't waste a season, the real challenge for all of us is that we don't actually get to choose the seasons, we aren't in control which really flies in the face of our cultural narrative, the, the life script of our culture that basically says you can go do what you want, you can say what you want, you can be who you want, I can be the captain of my life. All of a sudden, we are being confronted with the reality that I actually can't go and create my own life anymore. I am not in control. You see, I, the thing I think the world is really struggling with right now, it's not so much COVID-19. I actually believe the real problem is this sense of loss of control. That we can no longer be the Lord of our own lives. The truth is, is we can't choose the seasons. But as Christians and as followers of the way of Jesus, God has called us to just simply embrace them as they come and trust that he's just going to work out something in them. And that's another thing I want to encourage you with. God does good in any season. God is good in any season. Romans actually talks about this in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. You know this by heart. I know you do. But it says, and we know that in all things, in all things, in all season, God works for the what? The good. For those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. So there is good. There is treasure in the wilderness. But here's the challenge that oftentimes the good or the treasure feels like a treasure hunt, doesn't it? It's hard to see it. It's hard to see it in the ways of culture. It's hard to see it in the ways of all the issues and problems in our life. And you begin to wonder, like I've been, been wondering for the last three months, is there anything good in this? Is there any treasure that is here Especially when you go out and you realize that everywhere you go just seems so barren lately. A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I went on our first date since January. Um, some of you are like, that's not good husbanding. You know, it's not, you know, how's your marriage, Pastor Seth? It's actually doing really good. We've just had a baby and COVID and all that. And so uh, finally, we had an opportunity to go out and we did what most couples do. When you don't have the kids for an hour, we go to winners. And so... I was so excited, we were so excited, let me rephrase that, my wife was so excited about going to Winners, we were going to go in, and we were going to go find that thing, that decorative thing that my wife loved, and we walked in, and to our dismay, there was nothing there. It was like barren, and it was depressing, and our date lasted an hour, so we just went home and and ate chips and watched TV, right? Um, But... Don't be fooled that even though the shelves of the stores that we walk into in our cities are bare, the shelves of heaven are not. They are full of resource. They are full of treasure. And I came to grips with this this past week, or just a few weeks ago, I should say, is that I I wanted to stop asking God, what is this? And I started asking God, what are you trying to produce in this? What is the treasure in this? And over the next couple of weeks, I want to reveal to you what I believe God wants to do in this season. That we actually have to go looking for it through the ways. But God actually has treasure for us to experience in this time right now. And the first, the first treasure I want to talk about with you today is this. I call it the treasure of gardening the treasure of gardening. Some of you might be shaking your head and like, what? Are you telling me to go plant a garden? No, 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 no. This is obviously a metaphor, and we're going to get to that. But before we do, let's talk about real gardening for a moment. Has anyone noticed, like, like there has been a revival of gardening around? Like, people are gardening everywhere. Um, and some people, you just never would expect to plant a garden. The other night, I was sitting with my wife, and, and we were just hanging out and, you know, flipping through Instagram photos. Like, couples do after the kids go to bed right and she was sitting there and all of a sudden she goes oh wow you know and I said what's up and she goes check this out and this picture was beautiful like this beautiful well manicured garden not just one but multiple gardens kind of just set together in such a nice space and I'm like wow who did that and she goes my brother and I was like your brother did that Like, I know my brother-in-law, and if you're watching, uh, trust me, man, I love you, but I just did not see that coming, right? I mean... Everyone seems to be planting gardens in this time. It's like we have more time to work on our lawns and work on our yards. We have a guy in our church in Halifax who's a landscaper. I try calling him and he doesn't pick up, not because he's rude, but because he's so busy right now. And it's an actual craze right now across the planet. Newspaper articles and newspapers like the New York Times and the Washington Post have actually written about the revival of gardening in our day. I actually read this, uh, this article in the CBC. The other day about a young guy in Toronto who started planting gardens, and this is what he said. He had this statement, and he said this. He says, it's very satisfying when you can go grow something from scratch and pick it. And then he says this. He says, it gets you into a spot where our ancestors would have been, which is an interesting statement, and I think that's almost therapeutic. Now, there's something therapeutic about gardening. What's he saying? He's saying there's something about the act of gardening that roots us. I find that an interesting statement because if we look at the biblical narrative, where our ancestors started and where we get our start and where we are rooted comes from a garden. God made us and placed us in a garden. And not only that, not only did he put us in a garden, he actually he actually told us to go and garden, to become a gardener. Let's look at it. Genesis chapter two, verse fifteen. Look what it says. It says the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. The, the word Eden here is the word delight. And so it's a beautiful picture that when God created us and he placed us and he rooted us, he rooted us in a place, our homeland is actually a homeland called delight. It's incredible. And in this place we read that it was there that man and woman was naked and unashamed before God. Like true, true like companionship and love with God. Full on presence with God all the time. An unadulterated type of worship Now, don't misunderstand that the Garden of Eden, even though it's called the light, Adam and Eve didn't just sit there for hours sipping vanilla lattes and suntanning. That's not what they did. In fact, the scripture tells us that God placed them there to do what? To tend and to watch over a garden. God created man to be in a garden and to watch over a garden. you got to get that. That is key for this message today. The word tend to it is the word shamar in Hebrew. And what it literally means is it means that God asked them to guard it, to police it, to actually stand up for it. And so God created man to be in a garden and to be a gardener. Now, we know that this garden we're not in anymore. That that has passed by because of sin and the fall of man. We were banished from that garden. But what's interesting is as you read the scriptures, one of the major themes all throughout the Bible is that God always instructed his people to plant gardens. Strange. Gardens were planted in homes. They were planted in palaces. They became places of celebration. Meals and parties were had in gardens. Just read the book of Esther. Gardens were a place of solitude and prayer. Jesus, before he went to the cross, where did he go? He went to a garden to pray. Gardens were everywhere. But what's really fascinating and really interesting is that God often told his people to plant a garden just before revival and renewal. While they were in exile, God, through the prophet Jeremiah, spoke to the people there. And look, what, look at the instruction. He said, build houses, settle down, and plant what? Gardens. And eat what they produce. Even when God's people were in the wilderness for 40 years, God said to plant Gardens. Now, some of you are like, where does it say that in the Bible? What's fascinating, and some scholars actually say this is, 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 is actually a thing as they study it and as they look at it, people far smarter than me, but when God actually called the people of Israel to raise up a tabernacle in the wilderness and then the temple in Jerusalem, that the, the specks of the tabernacle and the temple were actually the specks of the Garden of Eden itself. This place where the divine presence of God and his work The tabernacle in the temple. Theologian J. Daniel Hayes writes this about the garden. Look what he says. He says, The garden is a place where God's presence dwells in a special kind of way. So that his people can be with him and worship him. This is precisely the function of a sanctuary or temple. And so God in this season, I believe, has called us to garden again. The treasure of gardening. Now, we don't have a tabernacle, and we don't have a temple. And Pastor Seth isn't telling you to go out and buy seeds and dig up your lawn and then go ahead and start planting and plant a garden, and everything's going to be all well and good. But what I am saying is that there is a garden that you and I are called to garden in this day, in this time. And it is the garden of our hearts. This is what Jesus presses into in the Gospels. In fact, Jesus tells a story in Matthew chapter 13. I told you to turn there and we're, we're, we're about to look at it. But he tells a story about a sower who goes to sow seed. And, and the, the story has it that the sower goes out and he starts sowing seed recklessly all over the ground. And some of the seed falls on a, on a hard path. As we, as we find out, the seed step, is, is on top of the path and birds come and they take it away. And then seed falls on rocky soil and, and it actually does take root for a little bit of time. And then it just, the, the rocks just kind of, it, it's just too shallow. So it can't grow. There's no depth to the soil. And then, we've, then we realize that there's thorny soil. That the, again, the seed takes root in the soil. And, and then the, 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 the thorns, or another translation would say, the weeds come up and they choke out the good that is in the soil. And then finally, finally the soil that we all hope for, the soil that we wish our hearts to be, is the good soil that comes And it says, when the seed falls on the good soil, then it produces a harvest that is 30, 60, 100. Jesus tells this story. People are confused about it. And so he goes on to explain it. And I want to just read this to you again. His explanation of this, verse 19 of chapter 13 in Matthew says, When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. Get this picture in your head that what Jesus is saying. He's saying, soil and gardening is like your heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no roots, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one, this is the heart, who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. By the way, a Hebrew farmer of that time believed that a seed that was planted could only harvest as much as eight times as itself. So when Jesus said that when the when the when the word or the seed of the word falls on good soil that it's going to produce 100 times, 60 times or 30 times, any of those times are far more uh, than any Hebrew would even know or understand, that is actually miraculous if you look at it. Now this is a very layered story, and we can go a lot of different directions with this. We can talk about the sower, we can talk about the seed. But I want to talk about the soil for just a moment. I want to talk about the garden. and there's a few things I, there's a few observations I just want to tell you today, and the first one is this: notice in jesus story that it 's the condition of the soil that determines what you produce. It's the condition of the heart that determines what you produce. It's not the condition of the seed. It's not even the condition of the circumstances. The birds have nothing to do with production of fruit. It's actually the condition of the soil. And where is soil in a garden? Underground. It's unseen. And what Jesus is trying to get at, this is real, where real thriving and flourishing actually happens in our life. And this is what I want to tell you t- today, church. I believe that the treasure that God wants you to experience in this day is in the secret place first. It's actually in the hidden place. It's in our hearts. If we are really willing to receive this treasure in this time and allow God to do something in our hearts, God is wanting to reveal and renew and revive the secret place. Because the condition of the soil, the condition of your heart, actually determines what you produce in your life. But here's the second observation I want to give you today. It's this. In Jesus' story, not every soil is good. But it can become good. Likewise, soil that is good can also become bad. You see, I think sometimes we read the scripture, we read Jesus' stories through Western lens. We're, we're just so analytical. We look at a text like this, and we, we hear the different types of soil, and we, we compartmentalize them. And then we kind of judge ourselves in it, and we kind of say, okay, well, am, I, am I soil A? No, of course not. I don't have a bad heart. Am I soil B? Well, I don't know. Am I soil C? Am I soil D? I hope I have a good heart, but I'm not sure which heart is mine. The truth is, is that none of us want to admit that we have bad hearts. None of us want to admit that we are unhealthy in our heart, but if we're truly and brutally honest with ourselves, can we honestly say that even in this season is the soil of my heart really good? My guess is, if you're watching, that somewhere our hearts are in the middle, that they're not fully good because I mean, the Bible says, and what Jesus says, look at the fruit. It produces monumental fruit in your life. My point in the, my point in the story is this good soil. Good soil is, is, is something that God desires for each and every one of us. He wants us to have good hearts. And I think what is interesting about this parable is that maybe Jesus isn't actually telling us four different types of soil, but maybe it's the same soil in four different stages. Maybe, maybe the, this good soil was actually path at one time or maybe it went through a process where it was deliver, it, re- removing the stones or removing the roots to finally get to the place where it is, is actually good. I found this out this past year when I was uh, working on my yard like everybody else uh, this past year. There has been this weed in my yard that has been the bane of my life since I moved in my house. And quite frankly, uh, every year I've tried to attack this thing and so I would cut down all these branches, and every year—no word of a lie—every year it would grow up, grow back stronger and bigger. And for whatever reason, this kind of weed came out from underneath my shed. Like it, it is just gross under there right and so uh it's coming out and it's big it's massive and every year I was like you know what I'm I'm done with you I'm going to take you out and so I'd cut I'd cut out the all the stuff and all the limbs I'd clear it all up bundle it all up and leave it out by the road every single time it's a lot of work to do this and every year it grows and it gets bigger every single year until this year and this year I actually learned a lesson I said you know what I'm not cutting on top of the soil I'm actually going to break into the soil And I'm going to dig in and I'm going to go after these roots. And so for literally like two days straight, I think I spent 12 hours digging up this root. And not only that, every root system that came, I said, you are done for good. And I honestly was so like, you know, I was so excited. I took a picture of it, sent it to my family chat. I just wanted my dad to be proud of me, you know, for doing such an awesome job on our lawn. And you know what? A couple of weeks ago, I went back outside and looked over And that thing's still growing. (laughs) Which means I have to go back and keep digging. And the same is true with our hearts. We don't just dig once, it's a constant process of continuing to dig into our hearts. But notice something about the story Jesus tells. Do you notice that the sower is not the one who takes care of the soil? The sower is actually the one who just sows seeds. That's all he does. In fact, Jesus doesn't tell us how the soil becomes good or even who takes care of it. And I think this is on purpose. I think it's on purpose because I think what Jesus wants us to hear and what he wants us to hear even in this day and in this moment, this treasure that he wants to give us is that I think he wants the listener to determine if their heart is good. Why? Because he's called every one of us to be gardeners with him. He doesn't just do it on his own. You see, here's the thing I believe in this season that God wants to do for every single person who is listening to this today. He wants to sow seeds and deposit seeds into your life. He wants to deposit seeds of peace. He wants to deposit seeds of assurance, seeds of forgiveness, seeds of hope. He wants to deposit the greatest seed of all, who is Jesus Christ himself, who was buried into the ground and came up out of the ground and raised to life. But God, from the very beginning, in the garden, if you remember, our rooted, our homeland, God did not just say, you are in a garden, but you are going to tend it. You are going to be a gardener. And he has chosen to work in partnership with us in our hearts. And so what I want to tell us tonight, before we just, a few things I want to tell us before we before we end today is this, there needs to be a level of ownership in this season on our hearts. John Ortberg in his book, Soul Keeping, which I highly recommend you read this book. It's an incredible book. He says this, he says, you don't own your heart or soul but you do have to steward it. It's the same with the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23 says this, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flows the springs of life. And I just wonder in a season like this that feels like the wilderness, that the treasure we have right now in this time is that we have time to tend our hearts to break into our own hearts, and for God to to do a work in us fresh and anew. That's the treasure. That is the treasure. The treasure is that we can garden our hearts. We have the time to do this. So just three things, and we'll close here in just a moment. The first thing is, I believe this is a time for digging in. This is a time for dig- digging in. There has never been a better time in your life than right now for you and the Holy Spirit to partner in working on your heart. This has not, never been a better time. You have more time now than you ever have. This has never been a better time for you to pray the same prayer that David prayed when he said, search me, O God. Know my heart. And if there be any way in me that is, that is not right, lead me to life Everlasting. Church, this is a season to start digging. We can no longer just continue to just cut the branches on top of the soil. But God is actually calling us to be practicing cultivating our hearts and souls with him. This is the aim of Jesus. In his book, uh, The Renovation of a Heart, by a guy named Dallas Willard, who is probably one of the most profound thinkers and writers about the soul, writes this. He says the revelation, the revolution of Jesus in, is in the first place a continuous, a continuously a revolution of the human heart and spirit. That this is a season for digging in. It's not just about digging in. Number two, it's also a time for weeding out. It's also a time for weeding out. It's really hard see to this, see this, but the reality of Jesus' parable is this that it's actually quite possible to have a soil problem and not even know you have it. That it's possible to actually have heart issues and you don't even see it. It's not even noticeable to you. Did you notice in the story that Jesus told what he said? He said, like, when, even when it falls on rocky soil, it takes root. Not long, but it actually does take root and it starts to develop. And the thorny soil, the thorns and the fruit kind of grow together. But what happens is over time, the weeds will come in and they will choke out your life. It will choke out the good. And I wonder if in this season, it's time for us to deal with the weeds. Maybe for some of us, it's the weeds of undealt undealt with past Others of you, it might, be, it might be the very small hint of anger or bitterness that you still carry towards that person who robbed you, who took a piece of flesh out of you, but it's still lingering there and it's still holding you captive. For some of you, it's the weed of unforgiveness. For some of us, it's pride. It's just flat out pride. Or it's our inability to admit that we've done something wrong. Sometimes the weed is a resistance to change. Unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin. Most of the time, whatever it is, hear me on this, it happens in the secret place. It's hidden. And over time, out of nowhere, it will grow up and it will begin to choke out the good in your life. For some of us, it's not weeds, it's actually stones. It's like the stony soil that needs to be developed, it needs to be worked into, it needs to be taken out. But it's, it's a stone, stone is heavy, isn't it? It's the pressing down, it's not the choking up, it's actually a pressing down. You are carrying things right now that you don't need to carry. Maybe it's shame, or maybe it's guilt in your life. Some of us are carrying something heavy in our souls right now, and it's not even ours. It's someone else's weight. It's someone else's rock. It's someone else's guilt. It's someone else's shame. But the responsibility that we have is the responsibility to cultivate our own souls. You see, here's the the truth. And this is the rub of the message today. Real transformation happens to the soil of your heart when it is turned over. When it is weeded out. You know, there's a time after time where God's people's hearts grew cold. And grew hardened towards him. Whether it was just heart adultery or idols or whatever. And there was this time when, when, when God's people's heart was away from God. And, and they, 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 they were away from the Lord. And God sent a prophet. And the prophet's name was Joel. And Joel says this statement. And it's been something that God has been pressed on my heart in this season in this time. But look what Joel says to the people of Israel about returning back to the Lord. Verse 13 in Joel chapter two says, rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. He says, rend your hearts, not your clothes. You know, in Jewish times, when repentance happened, they often ripped their clothes and they rent their garments. But oftentimes they didn't, there was no transformation after that action. But what Joel is saying is don't do that. It, th- what your issue is right now, and the thing that you need to deal with, is not something external, it's your heart. Rend your heart. The word rend here actually means to turn over, it means to break the grounds is what that means. Also, Hosea, at another time in Israel's history, look what this says. I love this statement. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12 says, sow righteousness for yourselves. You are the one responsible for sowing righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. And here it is. Here's what Hosea says to the people. And break up your unplowed grounds. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and he showers his righteousness on you. See, I, Sometimes supple dirt can become hard. And it doesn't become hard overnight. Just spends days in the sun. No rain. No water. And as we've been displaced in, in our own separate places and not in the things like have been I wonder if maybe there are hearts of ours that have been displaced and maybe what was supple at one time is starting to feel hard in some moments it's harder to worship it's harder to seek God it's harder to stay connected it's harder and sometimes this doesn't happen overnight it doesn't happen in a moment Sometimes it's that issue that's lingering and it just lingers long enough. It's a sin. It's having one foot in the church and one foot in the world. And hear me on this, it's only by the grace of God and the blood of Jesus that he ever can save us. But it is your and my responsibility to break up the soil of our hearts so that the seeds of righteousness can come in. Now some of you are hearing this and you're probably saying, wow, what a downer, Pastor Seth. But this is not a heavy thing. And I think the devil has done a really big job to deceive us. That working and tilling the ground of our hearts and dealing with the things underneath the surface is only for broken people. But do you know what I've found? It's actually for healthy people. A healthy person constantly pays attention to his heart. A healthy person is a good gardener who, who guards it, who looks after it, who sticks up for it, who is willing in season after season of his life to rend his own heart, to break the ground so that the rain so that the seeds of righteousness can actually come and find its root in us. You see, weeding is not a bad thing. It's the cleansing. It's the cleaning of the heart. When you clean and you weed, it makes space for new opportunities and new fruit in your life. And there is a beautiful opportunity, and I believe this with all my heart, that there is a grace over this time and over this season for us to go deep and for God to do a work in our hearts. It's happening. I have people in our church who God is working in their hearts as they repent and as they come back to him and they say, God, this has been a season where you've just opened the ground of my life and you were exposing things, but it has been so fresh and so good and so rewarding. And I believe this is what God is doing in this season for us as a church. You know, as I've been studying the history of renewal and revival in the church, and we say this all the time here at King's Church, Renewal's coming. Revival's coming. We feel it in our bones. But every renewal and every revival began with a rending and a call to repentance, a call to garden, a call to dig deep. great revival author, Arthur Wallace, in his book, In the Day of Thy Power, writes this, he says, to break the fallow ground of our hearts means to bring them to a humble and contrite state before God. For this is the only state of heart that God can revive. The only state that is ready for the reign of revival. And if we are truly believing that this is a season for revival and renewal, there is no way forward but through rending and breaking of the grounds of our hearts right now because I gotta tell you something church it's a time for digging yes it is it's a time for weeding deal with the weeds get down deep you know I found the deeper you dig the healthier your heart gets do you know that the good soil is actually down deep you need to bring it up bring it up to the surface But God's calling us to do that and allow him to penetrate and to help us dig in our hearts. It's not just a season of digging. It's not just a time of weeding. It's a time of raining down. I believe in my heart, God wants to renew us and revive the church of the West. God's spirit can come can he pour down his treasure on us? But if rain hits the hardened bed of my garden, it just simply runs off. But rain on broken up ground, which contains seeds, is ripe for growth. And I want to declare over your life and over my life, the treasure of this season, it's time. It's time to break the ground of our heart. It's time to... Take ownership of our heart and allow the rain to come on good soil let me ask you this question when the rain comes what's the condition of your soil going to be like when the rain comes is it going to be ready is it going to be good or is it just going to hit the ground and run off I just believe in this time and in this season I just sense God's spirit in this moment in this presence that God is wanting to allow us to be free to go to him and to confess before him and say God my heart repentance is simple the, repentance is the simple way to repent is often to go to God and say right now God I can't do this on my own I can't do this and you know what that is I just believe God has given us permission to be able to do this as a church and to look at the weeds of our life and the stones of our life and to say no more they didn't come in this season they were there last season But this is the season that God is going to give you a treasure. Treasure of a good soil, of a good heart. I want to pray for us. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for our church in this time as we ready ourselves, ready our hearts for God to move in power in this day. God, Holy Spirit, we just confess, Lord, that we need a move of God We need a stirring of our heart. We've been crying out and praying out for the rain to come. But God, we ask that we would prepare the ground with you. That we would not be arrogant to our own hearts or pass it off in this season and just ignore what you want to do in us in this time period. There's never been a time where we've had more space and time with you to break the ground of our hearts, to weed out what needs to be weeded out. It's so, it's so tempting to be pulled in other directions right now, other places. But oh God, would you, before your throne and before your presence, would you reveal to us the beauty of the treasure that we have to experience this hour in the secret place, in the hidden place with you, to restore our hearts back to 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 our ancestors, to a place of delight, to a place where we can walk unashamed and naked before you, a place of unhindered worship, oh God. Oh God, would you do it in me? Would you do it in us? Would you start it in us, I pray. So Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We sang that earlier, that your promises never fail. And so we see this as the way forward today. We love you, Lord, and we thank you that you lead us and guide us by your goodness. So, Lord, we we step in. This is not just a moment, God. Although, God, you can transform a moment, we say that we want to obey you. We want to walk in obedience to you. We want to say that, Lord, this is not a, a time and a season for just breaking of the ground because it's breaking of the ground, but we will constantly be people who tend and watch over our hearts from now and forevermore that you lead us deeper into areas of grace that we've never experienced before. But may it start today. May it start now in this time, in this season, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.